Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Wharton Fintech Podcast. I'm your host, Miguel Armasa. Today's episode comes from the Lended LATAM conference from December 2020. It features my conversation on the keynote stage with Pierpaolo Barbieri, founder of Voila, one of the fastest growing fintechs in Latin America. I also want to send a special thank you to Bo and Peter from Lendit for the invitation. Hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Okay, well, let's move right along and let's kick off the program today. I know we've got another fantastic keynote lineup. Bo, why don't you uh, tell us about our opening keynote? Sure thing, Peter. I'm honored to welcome our next two speakers. One of the fintech rocket ships that is barely three years old is Voila. It already has 2.5 million cards issued in Argentina, and they've expanded into Mexico. Now they've just recently added an SMB merchant payment processing service that uh, was announced last week. And so now they're a full payments ecosystem. And again, just about three years old. My friend Miguel Armaza is going to interview Pierre Barbieri, who's the founder and CEO. And I will be back in 25 minutes to ask questions from the audience. So Miguel and Pierre, take it away. Thank you, Paul, and thanks for a kind introduction, and thanks to everyone for joining us. Pierre, how's it going? Great. Such a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. Nah, it's uh, definitely a pleasure to have you here. Yeah, so uh, it's good to talk to you. Last time we spoke was around May of this year, and definitely a lot has changed. I wanted to ask you, how is the war on cash going? I know you consider cash your biggest competitor, so uh, maybe we can start there. So I think that 2020 is a year where we have won the battle, but the war is still very much ongoing. Over 80% of payments in Argentina are still cash. 85% of payments in Mexico are still cash. But we've delivered on the two main goals that we had this year, which were to, first of all, grow Argentina and launch merchant acquiring, which we did last week. We're very proud of the product that will finally allow small businesses to fully integrate into Walla, take payments directly with any card in the market, not just Walla's, but any card in the market, digital with a payment link or physical with an MPOS completely integrated into the ecosystem. And the second strategic goal was to arrive in Mexico. And why Mexico? We worked for almost two years in Mexico to launch the product that we're very proud to have now. We've been overwhelmed by the demand. But the truth is that in Mexico, only 30% of people have ever had a debit card. And so 70% of people have never purchased anything online. Over 70% of people have never had a formal loan. They don't have um, retirement savings. They don't have a credit history. They cannot borrow in the traditional sense, let alone have a revolving credit product. So we have so much to do. And so the war is ongoing. But with these two new features, we're focused on a 2021 that will bring great growth to the Walla platform, now a fully integrated payment ecosystem in Argentina and growing on verticals in Mexico as well. Yeah, definitely a lot to unpack. Now, some of the new developments as well have been for example, in Argentina, you have a couple of new entrants coming in and then trying to offer something similar to Voila. How do you consider, how do you view competition from new digital players, but also incumbents? I think that's a fantastic question. Look, we have a different perspective on competition than most people. 
our perspective on competition is that we love it. Why? Because it raises the bar. Competition helps us create an ecosystem, an ecosystem that is open, that is interoperable, and that it pushes us to be better. Looking at other companies across the region, being able to compete with Nubank in Mexico or with Mercado Pago in Argentina just makes us better because it pushes us to build better product, to hire better people, to push faster and farther into the great goal of doing away with cash. And so we love to see that the banks are launching challengers. We love to see that there are other players launching different products. And yet we see spectacular growth for Walla because before people could say, well, you know, you're winning because nobody's playing. Now the people are playing and we're still winning. So we have more than double the size of the business in Argentina. TPV has grown five times. We have added over 1.5 million people. You know, it took us almost 18 months to do our first million cards. It took us nine months to do our second million cards. And I can't tell you exactly how much time it's going to take us to do our third million cards because marketing won't let me, but it's going to be a lot less. And so between that and the demand that we are seeing in Mexico, where over the last 45 days, we have been completely overwhelmed by the amount of people that want to get on Walla. You know, we think that there's so much potential for the future that we're very excited to grow. And so we think that competition helps us be better in the path to doing away with cash, to including more people in the system. And for the user to be king or queen, we want them to choose the better product. And so the day we are a monopoly, I hope that people come regulate us because that's not what we want for our financial system. We want it to be open. We want it to be interoperable. And we want people to have more options because that makes for better products. You mentioned a little bit about regulating. So let's talk a bit about the regulator, right? I mean, now that you've added several million clients, how has been your experience interacting with the regulator, I guess, both in Argentina and Mexico? Do you feel that they're perhaps getting a bit more comfortable with the pace of fintech in the region? I think that one of the best things that has happened with COVID, COVID's been disastrous for the world and a human tragedy. But one of the very few silver linings in the cloud has been the fact that regulators across the regions have understood that wallets a good tool for financial inclusion. And so in Mexico, in Colombia, in Peru, in Ecuador, in Uruguay, we've seen, and even in Brazil, we've seen progress toward allowing wallets, and this goes well beyond Walla, wallets to become the channel for the distribution of help to users. That means that it's easier to achieve inclusion through wallets than it is to achieve inclusion through other means. And so we're happy to see that path. In Mexico, there's a fintech law we think it's a great framework to have along with the Bank of Mexico. And in Argentina, the central bank has moved toward creating a kind of a middle ground between being nothing and being a bank called a PSP, a payment service provider. It's similar to what exists in Uruguay. And we are now one of those. And so the user can have the confidence that we are fully regulated by the central bank and we can have the confidence that we can implement our business model without having to compromise on what we want to do. And so I think that that's a good path. And I think that one of the things that we lack in Latin America is the kind of thing that they have in Europe, where if you have a license in one place, you can operate in multiple places. I think if Mercosur were to move in that direction, it would be fantastic, not just for Walla, but for all those amazing Brazilian fintechs that exist that could provide services in Paraguay or Uruguay or Argentina. And so, I mean, obviously, there's a lot more to be done, but we think that regulators see the potential of wallets. They're supporting wallets, and we are very grateful for our interactions with them because they're pushing the boundary. The PIX launch in 
in Brazil and also the Transfers 3.0 launch in Argentina that just took place open up the possibility of more competition and a more open banking system where players like Wallach can bring innovation and can compete against incumbents and other startups alike. Yeah, you bring out a really good point. I remember, for example, in my conversation with Tarek Elshari from Zinobe, he was mentioning how the regulator in Colombia used Zinobe and other similar companies as channels to reach the underbanked, right? Because traditional players would not get to them. So that's clearly a benefit that's coming out of all of this COVID mess. There's also going to be second and third order effects, right? And you know, over the last eight to nine months, we have more clarity as to what's that going to look like. What have been some of the surprises that you've encountered that have been maybe accelerated or caused by the pandemic? So one of the things that we did in the beginning of Walla was to think about what are the things that speak to day-to-day transactionality? What are the things that you need to build that give you day-to-day transactionality? And two key things have really exploded during the pandemic that we didn't expect. So the first one was bill payment. The volume transacted on bill payment has more than 4 x since March to now. And it has attracted to Walla social and age groups that weren't immediately attracted to the platform. When we, the year started, over 75% of the people at Awala were 30 years or younger. And that has diversified into older cohorts because they wanted to use bill payment. And COVID really pushed that cultural change. And I don't think that's going to ever go back. Because why would you stand in a line, as it happens all across Latin America, to be able to pay your water bill or your cable bill when you can just do it directly from the app scanning the bill? That means that we can underwrite better credit because we have better information on what your bill payments are. So that leads to a lower interest rate for the user on their loan or on their installment lending, which we also launched during the pandemic. But also it pushes for a cultural change that makes bill payment easier, faster, and a lot cheaper for society as a whole. And so we're very proud that we launched in Mexico with that feature integrated into the app that didn't exist in Argentina for our first year of Walla. And so we launched it in Mexico day one with over 60 providers. And the second thing that has really grown is cell phone top-ups. You know, we thought that cell phone top-ups were already very big. It's a very big revenue driver for Walla since the beginning. And so we are integrated with every telco in Argentina. We're now integrated with every telco in Mexico. And we've seen huge growth in that area. Again, this is a day-to-day transactionality issue that we wanted to integrate into the platform, not because we thought it was going to lead to amazing growth, but rather because it spoke to the daily cash needs of the user. And this exploded during the pandemic because people needed their cell phones more, needed data more, and we've been able to really grow that vertical. The other thing that I'll mention is that, you know, shortly before the pandemic started, we launched our money market account in Argentina, which was our first investment product. Now, 11 months later, it is the second most popular investment account in the country. This is against a system that has had you know, asset managers that are 40, 50, 60 years old. And yet by amount of cards, we now have the second most popular account in the country. We barely advertised it. Why? Because we made a product that was easier, that was simpler and had radically lower fees than the others. Because it makes no sense that somebody would charge you 4% of AUM as a management fee for a money market account. Yes, Argentina has high inflation, but you can do that product for a lot less. And so this is one of the areas where we brought into competition into the system and people are responding by giving us their assets. And that allows us to grow, not just in savings, but also in lending as well. And how about e-commerce? You didn't talk much about e-commerce. 
that's gonna be also a driver, right? I mean, people Absolutely. did not have the ability to transact online. Now they can access places like Amazon, Vietnamia, whatever, and pay with their Walla or, or any other challenger bank account. How are you experiencing the growth of e-commerce? We are seeing a very big explosion in, you know, before the pandemic around 70% to 75% of all the purchases were in person. Now it's 50-50. And so we've seen a big growth in subscriptions. We have over 300,000 people that are signed up to Netflix or Spotify on Walla. I think a lot of them on both. We've seen very big growth in e-commerce. And also it's been a big driver of our usage in Mexico. When we launched in Mexico, we said, we are not going to do it better than the rest. We're just not going to do it. And so we launched the product where we did away with the cost of topping up your card. In Mexico, everywhere you go to top up your card, they charge you a fee. So there's an effective digitization tax to Mexican consumers. And that's one of the things that has held back the growth, we believe, of e-commerce in Mexico. We did away with that cost. And so we've managed to be able to launch a system that you have 14,000 locations where top up of Walla is both live and free. And that has freed up the ability to transact online. And so we think that e-commerce growth in Mexico last year was one of the highest in the world, obviously from a low base. But the direction of travel is clear. We are headed to where China is. We are headed to where the US is. And Latin America is 30 to 40% behind as of the size of total retail. And so we need to give people accounts. We need to give people cards so that they are able to trust and then grow the e-commerce platform in the region. And also we have to understand that we are in a big continent where logistics are complicated. And therefore to push the boundaries on inclusion gives us the ability to free people from transacting only in the couple of blocks that they have around them where they can use cash to all the millions of places where they can transact digitally, safer, faster, and cheaper. Yeah, and there's talking about maybe the future of fintech as a whole in the region. You mentioned we're talking on the heels of Walla rolling out your mobile point of sale for SMBs. I think you're calling it Cobros. So are you saying that the future of fintech in LATAM is in small businesses? Why not stay with consumers, which has been your bread and butter until now? I mean, we are staying with consumers. Last month alone, we issued 120,000 cards that is equivalent to 0.35% of the country in a single month. It took us six months to issue 1,000 cards a day in Argentina, and we've never gone below you know, 1,500 in the last few months. It took us 30 days in Mexico. And so the speed of growth of our personal financial management sort of ecosystem has been fantastic. But what we see on the other side is that if we really want to push the growth of e-commerce, if we really want to help be there more places where you can transact with your wallet, you need to be able to close the loop. And in order to close the loop, people told us, I need a POS. I need a POS that works. And I don't want to pay 6% plus VAT for live money. Because small businesses, and we talked to hundreds of them in building the product, told us they need the money fast and they need to be able to take the digital payments cheaply. Why is it that in Argentina, the same companies that in Mexico or in Brazil offer services that cost 2% of the sale, in Argentina, they cost 6% of the sale? Well, that's because there are very few players in Argentina and there's a lot of players in Brazil. And so here we are to provide more places where people can transact with any card. 
and you can pay with Amex, you can pay with Visa, you can pay with MasterCards. It's completely an open system, and we think that we can do it a lot cheaply. So I think that the future of fintech in Latin America is recognizing that if we want to give cards to everyone, we also need to create an opportunity for there to be more POSs, contactless POSs, safe POSs where people can operate. And also that the POS alone doesn't solve the problem because the POS can be fantastic for in-person sales and much faster than QR sometimes. But also there's a lot of the transactionality that is digital. And so with the POS, we launched a payment link, a payment link that could be shared on Instagram, where increasingly a lot of retail is, a payment link that can be shared on WhatsApp, email, Facebook Messenger, or whatever you like. And people need that because if you talk to restaurants, you talk to the hospitality sector, you talk to independent business owners and independent contractors, they need to be able to take those payments. And so we wanted to do something that was live, fast, and radically cheaper than what existed in the market. And that's what we launched on Thursday last week. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes sense. And how about navigating the, going back a bit to the regulatory complexities? I mean, this is a different type of challenge than you've had with the consumer so far. How has been the response from, I guess, your partners? Well, first of all, the response has been overwhelmingly positive. We were able to build a product with several key partners. First of all, and first and foremost, MasterCard, who really, really supported us on this. We have a regional alliance with them. We issue MasterCard in Argentina, as well as in Mexico. And they've been very supportive in this product as well. Even though they understand that in order to be a competitive product, we have to take all cards, not just MasterCard. But also, we've integrated a leading fraud prevention software that comes from Visa, CyberSource. We're very happy with the initial results of that. Fraud is a huge issue. And so if you don't take fraud in a comprehensive and preemptive way, you cannot be reactive with fraud. And so integrating the best software on that was a key priority for us. And finally, to be able to build a product that was live. And so this is the first product that we developed with Prisma in Argentina, which is the main acquirer for us and one of the largest in the market. And uh, we're very happy with how that worked out. We think that the, the marrying of existing rails with the new approach and the fast approach, the agile approach to product that we can bring from Walla and the full integration to the existing Walla ecosystem has meant that, you know, over the first day, over 10,000 people asked us for the POS. Obviously, we couldn't deliver that in one day, but it was an overwhelming response that shows that there is demand for better, safer, cheaper ways to take digital payments. And so all we need to do is serve the market. And so like we've seen in Brazil, where you know you have PagoSeguro, you have Stone, you have GetNet, you have fantastic companies that are pushing the boundaries so that by 2030, 10% of transactions in Brazil are cash. Well, we have a way to go in Argentina. You know, I see other players like Clip in Mexico, like fantastic contributors to the potential in the region. I settle elsewhere as well. I mean, there's so much to do. But if we really want to push this, we need to have an ecosystem that is innovative, cheaper, and really open. And that's what we're trying to build with Walla and with the partners that I've mentioned. Now, Pierre, it looks like you're in the office, right? But the reality is that most of uh, your team is probably working from Zoom. And not only that, but you've expanded significantly. You've hired probably at this point most or if not, you know, close to 50% of your workforce over Zoom during COVID. You think a lot about culture. How has this affected the culture of your company? You know, I imagine it's been very challenging. 
I'm not going to lie. It's been a very challenging year for the management team and for the whole team. We have 60% of the company has been hired during COVID. We started the year with 180 people. We're going to close the year with 650 people, which is well over what we expected. The reason that is, is that we have no alternative. Either we grow and are able to compete and deal with the demand that we have, or we have to close shops. So, you know, we really had to focus on culture, on preserving the relationships and growing the management team. We have ahead of us a huge challenge of managing a company that is far bigger than what it was a year ago. And considering the growth in Mexico, we're going to be over 1,500 people by this time next year. And so we're going to almost 3x over the next 12 months. The reason that is, is that we see the demand in Mexico. There are business units to launch in Mexico, and we have very exciting products planned there. But we also have to consolidate the growth in Argentina. I mean, the two sides of the ecosystem that we now serve as of last week will require a lot of growth. And so in the credit space, especially, we've grown the team. Despite COVID, we were able to originate three times the amount of loans in 2020 than we did in 2019, but we expect that growth to be even faster. And we're going to four to five X over the next 12 months. For that, you need people, you need better systems, you need better products. You know, I never discussed the products that are coming, but we have an incredibly ambitious map, roadmap on lending as well as on investments that will see us greatly expand the availability of products on Walla. And for that, you need people. The culture side, I think that has been challenging, but I've never seen the team more united and more together in the goal. You know, our goal has always been financial inclusion. We didn't start Walla as just another company. We have a big social mission, which is to include those people that the banks never wanted, but also the rest. And and seeing the progress that we've achieved on that vision, the internationalization of the business and the diversification of the product line now in acquiring, but also in investments, shows us that there is a great opportunity. And so we are focused on trying to hire the best talent, and now we're hiring remotely as well. We're not going to depend on just the presence of people in the office. I'm at the office, but nobody else is here, and we hope to reopen very soon in 2021. I just came for this meeting because I didn't want to do this from my kitchen. So, Pierre, I mean, you're growing. That's impressive, of course, but you're not the only one growing. The whole ecosystem is growing, and I think that's the most exciting part, right? What do you think the fintech ecosystem, specifically in Latin America, is doing well these days, and what could it be doing better, right? Just thinking optimistically for the road ahead. I think that's a great question. Look, I think that there's a lot of governments pushing for instant transfers. I think that we can do better on that. I think that we can do better on interoperability. I think that there's a natural tendency by some people to want to close the garden, but we need to think in a different way. Finance has never, ever been a winner-take-all system. And so for there to be digitization, what we need is an open platform. I think that we need to learn from Europe. I think we need to learn from the UK and push open banking platforms across Latin America. And open banking is not, as I said on Twitter this morning, is not sharing the data of your users with the other banks that you like. It's sharing the data of the users with everyone and whoever the user wants. Because at the end of the day, just like with social networks, the data is not the institutions. The data is the users. And so I think, and I'm looking forward to a time when across Latin America and Brazil and Mexico and Colombia, in Argentina, we have open banking platforms because that will mean better credit histories, better access to potential products, 
and more usage. And that's going to benefit everyone. It'll be a tide that raises all boats and it'll going to push competition. And so we need to think as an ecosystem and we need to make sure that that data doesn't stay with the institutions because that way we're going to have a system that remains years behind the rest of the world or the rest of the developed world. And so from Walla, we were one of the first to share our lending data with the regulator and with the central bank, even though the regulation did not force us to do it. Why? Because our investors, our management, our team believes in openness. And if we don't share the data, then eventually our users are going to say, wait, you're just trying to keep that for yourself. But it benefits me that I can go to Santander or that I can go to Itaú and get a loan from them. And so we need to think about the system as a whole. And I think that's one of the things that we could do better. And so I think that open banking is the way of the future. And I commit here and now that as soon as there are protocols in the countries where we operate, Walla will comply with those and will share the data. And so we think that that creates a fantastic opportunity for lending, not just for new people, but for existing people. And so the way we see the growth in our personal loan product and our installment product, which has been hugely successful, shows us that if we open it up, everyone will profit from it. And that's great because the users will have better choices at more affordable prices. Outstanding. Uh, I think we have Bo joining us back. We do. I'm so sorry to interrupt. You guys are absolutely rocking. But we do have some questions from the audience that I need to squeeze in before our our next session. This one, Federico, you have just entered one of the most competitive markets for neobanks. What makes Voila different from the other five or 10 well-funded neobanks in Mexico? Well, that's a great question. We have great respect for the competition in Mexico. What I'll say is that what you see from Walla today is just the beginning. We've been overwhelmed by the demand in the last 60 days for three main reasons. The number one reason is that we launched the product that was fully complete on the transactional level. And so we launched an account, a card, 14,000 locations in which to top up cash, plus full integration with Spay day one. But that was not it. We wanted it to be super competitive. So we had bill payment and cell phone top ups day one, as well as spending analysis and live support. That's one of the things that people forget is that in the neo banking space, people really care about support and that we focused on having one of the best MPSs in Argentina. We're one of the top five companies in Argentina for MPS globally. And that puts us in the league of Mercado Libre, Visa, and Shell, companies that are 20 to 100 years old. And so we're very proud of that. And we brought that to Mexico. The most important second thing is that the product suite was complemented by a team that is focused on launching other verticals that we already have operational in Argentina in Mexico in 2021. So the first product is not just the only product as other people have done. It's just the first product. And the third thing, and it's the most important thing, Walla is the only solution in which topping up your card and more than 14,000 locations is both live as well as free. And so we are the ones that are fighting against this digitization tax that exists in the market. But once again, we think that it's great that there are a lot of neobanks. 75 to 80 million Mexicans have never had a card before. They've never shopped online. They've never had access to Netflix or Spotify. So let's all together, 10, 15, 20 fintechs, everyone should come onto the Mexican market and we should lead to a place where over 50% of Mexicans over the next few years have access to those services. And so we love that competition and we think that that'll make us better as it has in Argentina. Brilliant. Now, just because I want to squeeze in one more question, I'm going to ask you to yeah. answer this with, a, I'll break it sure. into two questions, but one word answers. One is, yeah. 
where are you finding geographically, where are you finding your best talent? Argentina remotely. Okay. And then the second part of that is what industry are you hiring from primarily? I would say three. Banking, obviously, travel as a direct response to COVID. And thirdly, and interestingly, gaming. Great answers. So interesting. All right. We're going to have to leave it there. Thank you so much, Pierre and Miguel. Well done. Thank you both. Cheers. We're going to move, to our, we're going to, move to our next session. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Wharton Fintech Podcast. If you like the show, please consider leaving us a review or letting us know in the comments. It means a lot and helps spread the word to more listeners. If you want more content from our fintech community, please subscribe to our podcast channel and find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and the rest of social media at Wharton Fintech. You will find interviews, articles, videos, and much more analyzing all aspects of the industry. We also want to extend a special thank you to our show editor, Rafael Ostria. Signing off, I'm your host, Miguel Armaza.